Hello and welcome to The Stack. On this week's show, I speak with Suze Obrick, editor of Some Such Stories. Their hefty issue 7 is out now and is themed around bone. Also on the show, good news from magazine lovers in Manila and Philadelphia, with beautiful new spaces from people that enjoy the beauty of a print magazine. Enjoy the show. From Midori House in London, this is The Stack, 30 minutes of print industry analysis, and I am Fernando Augusto Pacheco. We start the show with the lovely Suze Obrick, who stopped by a Midori House to talk about the issue 7 of Some Such Stories, a stunning annual title looking at culture, nature, sex, society. The new issue is themed around bone, the organic substance that forms our skeletons and is symbolic of both life and death. Let's hear it from Suze. Suze Obrick, welcome back to Monaco Radio to talk about your beautiful title, Some Such Stories. And I have to say, the first impression when I got issue 7, sexy and quite fat, thick magazine. I love it. Tell us about issue 7. I mean, as you rightly say, it's, it's much thicker and hotter than <laughs> any of other other ones. Even and the cover is hot. Yeah, the cover's hot. The cover is hot. And it's funny when you work. So the cover is by a photographer called Lydia Garnett. Comes from a shoot inside called Guns Out, which is a queer muscle series. And when we were looking through all of the stills of their, you know, from their shoot, trying to work out which is going to be the cover from the story, it's one of those images that they weren't immediately that excited about because it's not entirely sharp but with those little droplets and everything and with that sort of power arm stance it just felt like a really visceral empowering image to sort of have on a cover well I know I've just asked you about issue 7 but I would like to just go back a little bit Some Such Stories it's the title published as well by Some Such and I wonder if you could introduce the company I know it's a production company but sometimes people might not relate necessarily very quickly Some Such Stories and Some Such but I wonder if you could tell us a bit more about that with pleasure with pleasure so Some Such is, as you rightly say, a production company. One of the things they do is consistently try and rework what that might be in terms of an expansion into music videos, documentaries, commercials, stills, feature films, but also, you know, books and also sort of run other creative projects. And it's sort of looking at, like, rather than the production company where everything has to be the same and have the some such brand, it's more about, in the same way a gallerist might work with different artists and very much keep their individual artistry in check it's sort of more like all their directors are given the space to do their own thing within the sort of family of this really diverse roster of talents and artists all over the world amazing yeah so that's sort of the some such thing and I know some such stories also kind of an annual journal but you have a following online as well. So it perhaps is not just something that exists just once a year. You do have some sort of a presence online as well in between, right? Yeah, I mean, we actually, it's one of the things that we did. We don't so much at the more that we're exploring mm. how to sort of bring that back. Because I think you get to a point where something's growing and you get a few issues in and you have an online site and it's sort of like how do you consistently let something grow and give the audience the best quality of what it does when you're not an actual publishing house. So mm-hmm. we, we, you know, we're looking at the various options for publishing in the future. But at a certain point, I think we just realised that focusing all our efforts on print might be a more beautiful way to sort of share these issues, which are very much all themed and sort of a capsule, not necessarily of that time, 
time, but a collection of ideas where people, writers and artists and photographers were sort of influenced by things at that time and sort of present it to people to take home. Whereas I think online at one point, it was just everything was getting a bit lost in the noise. And sorry that I'm focusing a lot on the design, but I love the tone of green of the cover and the back cover as well. I mean, that's incredible. I mean, it's beautiful. So Thomas Coombs of Guest Editions, they publish photography books and he's a designer as well. And he has another branch of his company and they, you know, host book events and all sorts of things. At one point, I was looking at what we had and we were still black and white and I think it needs a touch of rave. Yeah. And I can't remember what that was. And so he came back with his screen, which was just sort of very vivid. In fact, we actually, what we did was I went and got a neon Pantone book and then we pointed out <laughs> the different ones. But I had a I had an orange pink fave, hot pink, and he pushed for the green and he was right. It looks great. I think pink would be good as well. Maybe, who knows, <laughs> maybe for issue eight. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and, and tell us about the team, Bone. I mean, of course... Sometimes it's not a literal kind of theme you guys have, but tell us a bit more about why Bone and how you represented that word in the magazine. I mean, it was one of those, it's one of the ones that came up when I wasn't thinking about a theme or trying to do anything. Like I knew I was going to have to do one. It was one of those early days of January and nothing's going on, like January 3rd or something. And I was just listening to this Spotify on and there's this Berlin duo called Easter that have a song called Bone Marrow Stem Cell. I just had bone and I just started writing these little notes. And in fact, no notepad, phone at that point. But it's just, I think with the last issue, which was Flux, everything was a bit sort of impressionistic and trying to reflect the kind of crazy mm. like uncertainty of that time. Whereas it, you kind of, at a certain point, I think a lot of people have realised things are not getting simpler. Things are going to be more, ever more in Flux. And actually, so what is the most elemental Thing. I think that's something that struck me about it. And then obviously it's always consistently been a symbol of life and of death. They're always quite a stark symbol as well. It's, you know, poison, pirates, dangerous things. And then, you know, memento mori, a skull. It reminds you you're going to die, but it's also a symbol of transition and rebirth. So I just thought there was so much scope to offer that to sort of artists and writers and photographers and see how they responded to it. But the same way, it's very visceral, it's in us. We break our bones. We know what that feels like. We feel things in our bones we can't explain. So it's that richness to it. And then, you know, on the other hand, it is also like boning, boner. So I just literally in the brief was like, dick about with erections, make it camp. Come on. I told you the cover was sexy, right? I told you the cover was sexy. <laughs> and and there's a sense of fun as well. I love there's a booklet inside, oh, yeah. Secret Pleasures. Absolutely. Uh, I love that. I mean, it's kind of a playful thing to do. What can you tell us actually about Secret Pleasures? I mean, Secret Pleasures is by this extraordinary artist called Jenkin Van Zyl, who currently, I think, if anybody's ever near Liverpool, his show, A Surrender, is on fat there. So he did the similar show, scaled down at London's Adela Santi and that show is sort of also basically the insert there was part of the fiction that inspired that show so it's basically based off the story a marathon where you have to dance to death so in the 70s 80s 60s 70s 80s where it wasn't safe to be out and about as a queer man in the UK you'd go to these rundown hotels at the edge of the sea and people would throw these parties so he was researching in the Bishopsgate Institute sort of like queer party culture so all of that sort of blended together to create this little joyful thing so the design's kind of based from his research there I'm curious I mean with all those amazing pieces with photographers poets writers 
do you commission them personally? How does it work? Or people do know about some such and they get in touch with you. Tell us about the process of commissioning because, I mean, they're they all quite different from each other. So I'm quite curious about that side yeah. of things. Yeah. So with some people, I always, like, where I've read a novel, say, like, Mrs. S. K. Patrick's, which I did a manuscript of quite early on, mm. or Flux by Jim Chong, I'll always try, even if I think, you know, they've got too many books or they actually work for the New York Times and they'll never do it. But I always, I'm like, I loved your book, please, just in case they can work on something. Also with Priya Guns, same story, love the novel. And so some people's art I'd seen, and again, these were like love approaches, like Jenkin Munzil and Shada Soleimani. A couple of writers I've been lucky enough to work with for a long time, such as Jessica Andrews and Callianne Bradley. Vincent Haycock was great, actually, because he's a some such director and a photographer and a designer. And he just loved the theme. But then he's so busy, he's flying around the world shooting things constantly. So it was sort of like, we were just discussing this over months and it came in quite well at the end. But then we also had, I mean, the most surprising commission in there is Roselle's, who's a photo story at the back. So Roselle is a preteen who goes to a school in South LA focused on creative excellence for, you know, kids in areas where they're hugely underprivileged. And Sally, who in some such has sort of been, you know, they're producing a documentary about this incredible academy. And Sally was just like, you know, one of these kids is an amazing photographer. Do you think we could do like a, a very child version of the brief? And so, yeah, she's 10 and the photos are gorgeous. So that was a they treat. are. I was just having a look yeah. at the very final kind of story in the magazine. Uh, and tell us, who's working people actually buy a copy? I know living here in London, there's quite a few interesting stockists yeah. for the title, perhaps at the website as well. Yeah, absolutely. They can even subscribe to it. You can, you can subscribe. I mean, we've got, because we're working with a really wonderful new distributor at the moment mm-hmm. called Public Knowledge Books. Mm-hmm. And so it's sort of getting in stores. I know you can get it at Public Records in Brooklyn. I know you can get it at Arcana, Skylight and Despair in LA and a couple of other places, Larchmont Newsstand, I believe. Get it down the road here at Shreeji News. You can get it at... That's the place um, I go every day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Love it. Mag Culture. I think we've now got Reading Room Milan. But yeah, that's sort of like our first round. There'll, there'll be more and more around. But yeah, also, if you go to some such and co's insta there's you know they have a shop on their site as well so it's direct sale too thank you very much Suze. and issue seven is out now for more information go to some such stories.co And now it is a pleasure to welcome Monaco friend Rick Hindap to the show to talk about his beautiful new space in Metropolitan Manila, where he's selling the most beautiful magazines out there, Spruce Gallery. The space is a great showcase for different publications and will also host art exhibitions. I spoke to Rick and Bonaparte Galang, both founders of the store. Rick Hindab and Bonaparte Galang, welcome to Monaco Radio to talk about your beautiful new space, a Spruce Gallery. Rick, you're part of the Monaco family. We, we know you, you go to all our conferences and this is super exciting. Tell us a bit more about this project and I think that comes through your passion of magazines, right? Yes, I started collecting magazines in 1995 and one of the really great, amazing magazines that I started collecting early on was Tyler Brule's Wallpaper magazine. So uh, from there, I started buying back issues and then I stumbled into Jeremy Leslie's book, Mug Culture. And then I made it my mission to look every title that was featured in that particular book. And that started really the love affair with print. 
That's fantastic. Love Jeremy as well. And of course, your business partner, Bonaparte, is on the call as well. And you are at the shop itself, at the gallery, uh, Bonaparte. So tell us a bit more where you are and, and where exactly is located in the Philippines. It's quite close to Manila, right? The, the city center of Manila. Tell us a bit more. We are in the heart of business district in Ortiga Center. It's in within Metro Manila. The shop is very small, but we try to make it well designed as much as possible. Everything here is all black so that all of the magazine is popped up. And that's the choice of the color, is it because you know you wanted to give more attention to the to the beautiful kind of covers of the of all those magazines, right? Yes, because so much energy, so much effort, so much talent and resources are poured into the crafting of the magazine. And we feel like we need to celebrate this. All the magazines are always facing the people in, in the store. It's not displayed like in the bookstores. We're just looking at the spine. We need to see the amount of dedication that editors and art directors are putting into every issue. That's why we made sure that when you enter the door, you will be confronted by so much magnificence in terms of talent and commitment to getting it right uh, from the cover to the back cover. And, you know, Bon, you were there at the shop. Now tell us some of the magazines, actually, you're stalking. There's a lot of incredible magazines there. We're very overwhelmed, actually, with the titles as well. So upon the ideation of this store, we had a very long list of what titles we have to carry. The process of choosing the titles that we have is we streamline it from our favorites and then all of the titles that we discovered from our travels around the world. We made it a mission and we proudly tell everybody that gets inside Spruce that nothing in this particular space is foreign to us. When you pick up a title, we bought a copy of that in the past or we subscribe to that particular title so because we refuse to sell something we do not understand and we refuse to recommend something that we do not know about so and it also helps like what you mentioned fernando we form great relationships with some of the editors of the magazines that we love i go to monocle events i i make it a point to listen to monocle radio and then at the same time Great friendships with the likes of people of It's a Passion Thing, Design Anthology. So it becomes a very, very intimate thing that when we recommend you to people, we understand not just the content and the ethos behind each title, but also there is some sort of a bond or connection that, that makes our recommendation very authentic. Amazing. Paul, what I'd like to ask you is, you know, it's called Spruce Gallery. I mean, so of course you guys sell magazines, but the, I think the plan is to actually held events, perhaps some art exhibitions and, and others. If you could tell us a bit more about that. That's the second stage of our business is to stage art exhibits. And we also want to feature up and coming artists. We're planning to have our own art book fair as well, because we, I think here in Manila, we don't have an art book fair. So I think we want to spark an interest. Much of the thing that we're doing here, we're, we're scared because we have no retail background. We have no event staging background, but we feel like right from the start, Spruce Gallery will be crucible for cross-pollination of ideas and, and also events that will tie in a lot of people who are very creative, who is very who are very curious in a way. And and 
provide the space for all these things to happen. And Bon as well, I was going to ask, do you have any kind of titles as well from the Philippines? We have a lot of independent scenes. We actually, upon opening Spruce, we went to Cebu Art Book Fair and we gathered a lot of interesting titles from printmakers there and also printmakers from Manila who went there. And we're very excited to share it with the Manilenios. We also want to champion the Southeast Asian titles as well. Like we discovered a lot of interesting titles from Lost, which is uh, from Beijing. And also Meantime, we love Meantime from Singapore. And also a lot, a lot. We're very excited to carry a lot of Southeast Asian voices as well. And Rick, I was going to ask, what's the new stand or culture in the Philippines? You know, unfortunately, I've never been there, but hopefully I'll go there soon. Are there a lot or do you think there's something that perhaps it's struggling and, and it needed perhaps newer spaces? What's your take? Well, technically, Spruce came into being because of the misly or, or the non-existent newsstand culture. The two biggest book chains eradicated magazines into the mix. The newspapers are now being sold in 7-Eleven, for example. So whenever we travel, like for example, I, I went to the Paddington station of Kiosk Cafe. I went to Magculture store in Clerkenwell in London. And whenever, there's so many times that Bonaparte and myself will go to like, do you read me in Berlin? And we always look at each other and say, how come we don't have premium spaces like this that celebrate print culture where we can connect with like-minded people? So that was the catalyst actually that prompted us to really do this because there's nowhere to go. And since the education of the magazine from the commercial establishments, we started to question if we love this, there's probably a hundred people in Manila who think and behave like us. So we need a place for, for people like us and share our passion for print. Thank you very much, Rick and Bonaparte. For more information, check their Instagram page on Spruce Gallery PH. And we continue here on the stack to feature people that not only make magazines, but that sell and create spaces so we can enjoy them. One of those people is Amuri Kinsey, a photographer based in Philadelphia. She founded Address News, a mobile magazine stand offering a diverse array of independent titles. She tells me more about Address News and about her own photographic work. Amuri Kinsey, welcome to Monocle Radio. Welcome to The Stack. A pleasure to have you here. I want to find out all about your business address news. But first of all, tell us about the, actually your other profession. You are a photographer by nature, right? Yes, I am a photographer. I've been in the photography space for a little over a decade. And originally I started as a celebrity photographer and transitioned my way into street photography. And so now and I document black culture particularly in different spaces and areas of the world. So I'm excited about that, particularly North Philadelphia, my hometown. And talking about your hometown, I mean, I love the fact that you decided to, you know, have a space where you can sell magazines in Philadelphia. I don't know how is the newsstand scene in the city, but if you could tell us a bit more and why have you decided to create such space? Yeah, well, the interesting thing about Address, it's a, it's a mobile newsstand. We move around, you know, for the most part. We collaborate with other small businesses throughout the city where we know creatives frequent the most. 
I think for me, the main goal was to really help reshape how creative communities unearth new titles, uh, particularly in Philadelphia. You know, I think it's safe to say many news agents and bookstores, you know, that we can frequent sometimes, you know, are ran by people of similar backgrounds. You know, they're not necessarily creatives, they're just proprietors for the most part. And I just kind of wanted to put my own spin on it. You know, I've, I would patronize many small businesses that sold books and magazines and things of that nature. And the energy was just always a little different. You know, it wasn't all the way welcoming and warm and, you know, there wasn't a lot of community around it. And so I wanted to offer a really different perspective on that mission, on that idea. And so address is something that I've wanted to foster community, you know, and also encourage literacy, you know, because we do live in an age where many things are digital and that's, and that's great, but, you know, it's a lost art, you know, when it comes to the written word. And, and so I just try to really push that narrative, no pun intended, to kind of bring it more to, you know, the creative culture here in Philly. That's fantastic. And you, you tell us you, you move around. So how does that work? So you choose the best places. So you stay there for a specific amount of time. And then I guess you work with some of the local businesses as well, right? To see perhaps where you're going to move next. Yeah. So they're just really pop-ups. So we're there for about a day for a few hours. I reach out to friends of mine who have these small businesses who have the space to host us. You know, it, it's literally a, a table of just really cool independent magazines, right? And so we don't really need a lot of space, but we need a space where people can commune, you know, and communicate with the magazines comfortably. And so it's also a modern take on a, on a news agent, right? So when you go to news agents, you can purchase a beverage or, you know, some candy or even cigarettes. And so we just go to those places, we bring the magazines, and when people come to check out the magazines, they can also grab a cup of coffee or an ice cream cone or some, can you know. Um, and so there's balance in that idea and, and being there for a limited time and just engaging with the people and kind of seeing where it goes from there. But we, we've only done three pop-ups so far. And uh, they've been really great. We're looking forward to doing a lot more next year. And, and so... Yeah, you know, it's, it's a very small, exclusive concept in its own way. You know, we want you to really be interested when you come, you know, we and sometimes people just come in for a coffee and happen to see us there. And so now we gain a new customer or a new friend, you know, so it's fun. But we're only in these spaces for a few hours, you know, and so people who couldn't attend, they look forward to the next one. You know, so it's 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 a fun way to really build upon a, a really cool story. And what sort of titles do you have at the stand? I mean, is, do you have a speciality or you want to make sure you, you have independent titles? Yeah, I, I really love independent titles personally. And so I want to bring that same perspective to address. And so we have magazines like B Magazine, Apartamento, YOLO Journal, Aperture, Design Anthology, uh, Popeyes, Houdinki, Cherry Bomb, you know, all the all the great titles that, you know, popular culture in, enjoy. And tell us a bit more about Philadelphia. You know, I was reading, and I, and I think you mentioned this before, 
It's a city where he had the first daily newspaper from the United States as well. So he, he has quite a, an interesting connection with the print media as well, right? It does. You know, Philly doesn't get looked at <laughs> as a place that has such history. You know, it's just kind of that, that fallen fact. And so when I discovered that, I was really excited about this idea because there really is a stronger connection, you know, beyond the surface when it comes to print in the city of Philadelphia. And so I didn't want to romanticize, you know, this big idea of like, oh, Philly is just really all about print because that's, that's not the reality. But there are communities that appreciate print. But that that was a really interesting connection. But I think I'm worried from what I talked to, you know, some of our American guests, I think the U.S., especially when it comes to magazine, newspapers, there's a lot of subscription. It feels that it's very veered towards that. So it's quite special that there are people like you that still want to have, you know, either a permanent shop or a pop-up or whatever, but a, a physical space where people can actually buy magazines. I agree. You know, sometimes you really have to see it in front of you to engage with it. You know, seeing things online is, is always great and I'm for it myself, but there's nothing like stumbling inside of a coffee shop or an ice cream <laughs> shop or just walking down the street and seeing a stand of independent print with, you know, some of your favorite visual artists or your favorite ideas on paper in front of you and to pick it up and look through it. It's just a different feeling. It really is. And I think people are inspired by that. You I know, mean, like I mentioned before, Philly is a a blue collar town, you know, people work hard here. And so the space to dream is it's not really a big space from my from my perspective. And so anytime you can browse something that's inspiring and something that you can learn from is, is super, super significant. And Amur, if people are interested, perhaps locals who are listening to the show or, or other people from different states, where can they find out more information about, about address news and perhaps to find out when is the next pop-up as well? Yeah, so everything is being funneled through our Instagram account right now. We're currently in the process of building up a new web shop. So for all details regarding address news, you can find us on Instagram at address.news. And address is spelled, you know, the French way. So A-D-R-E-S-S-E dot N-E-W-S, address.news. So everything will be posted there um, for all updates and things that are upcoming. I've seen also your personal account. You have amazing photography, the work you do as well. Tell us, do you do kind of some freelancing as well for a couple of titles or how does that work? Or have you ever thought about having your own magazine? It's funny. I, 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 back in about 2007 and 2008, I started an online magazine called Young Couture. And, uh, you know, it never came uh, to fruition. Um, but it, it was, I've always been interested in, in having my own title um, but now that I'm, you know, no longer ignorant towards, you know, the publishing industry and I have tons of information to learn from in order to do it again, I would definitely, you know, be interested. But I don't do a lot of publishing work. Um, I do obviously get freelance gigs, you know, occasionally. But for the most part, I just shoot on my own terms. You know, I shoot in my community. I just really try to build um, a portfolio of exquisite work, you know, that showcase black people in their best light. So that's my main interest when it, in terms of photography right now. Thank you very much, Amuri. You can find her on Instagram on those two accounts, address A-D-R-E-S-S-E dot news and also at Art Muri. <music> and
And that's it for this week's show. My thanks to our editors, Mariella Bevan and Holly Fisher. If you have any comments or queries, feel free to write to me, Fernando, at fpandmonaco.com. And remember, we're back next Saturday at 10 a.m. London time. Meanwhile, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And before we go, a little song for you. Pet Shop Boys, Shopping. You've been listening to The Stack. I'm Fernando Augusto Pacheco. Until next time, it's goodbye from me. Oh,